All right. Well, if you brought your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. We'll get there in just a couple of minutes. As you probably guessed, we're continuing with our series, Follow Me, a fresh look at Jesus and the movement he began. The reason that we're doing this is because we believe that as Jesus followers, we want to become like Jesus. And the best way to do that is to spend some time with him. So we're spending some time going through the book of Luke, looking at what Jesus taught and what Jesus did and how he interacted with his disciples so that we can become more and more like him as we grow. Last week we took a little, took a little look at Jesus' first sermon. We saw that he gave us his mission statement, that he came to bring healing and deliverance to the oppressed and the blind and the imprisoned, both physically and spiritually. We saw that he came not just for the insiders, but for the outsiders as well, and how upset and furious that made some of the current insiders, but that didn't seem to bother him all that much. He came to do what he came to do, and we want to be like it. So today we're going to look at the, the calling of the first disciples. Up until this point, it sort of seemed like Jesus was sort of going around on his own, and today we're going to read about how he called some disciples to join him on his mission. And so we want to pay sort of close attention to the way that Jesus interacts with these disciples that he calls, because he's also called us to be his disciples. And so as we see how Jesus interacts with these disciples, we can sort of see what he expects of us and how he might interact with us. So we'll pick up in Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. Here's where it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw two boats at the water's, he saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I think this record is kind of fun. Jesus is teaching on the beach, and the crowd gets so big that he decides he needs a bit of a better elevated platform. He needs to be up a little bit higher so everybody can see him. And so he's there on the beach, and he sees two boats. And so he says, well, hey, maybe I can teach from one of these boats. So he just goes, and he gets in one of the boats. It says the boat belonging to Simon, who's also Peter. Uh, You're probably familiar with Peter. Simon is one of the other names that he goes by. Uh, And I'm not particularly sure how well Jesus knew Simon at this point. Uh, At the end of chapter 4, it says that Jesus had healed Simon's mother-in-law, but I don't know if they knew each other. I don't know if they were friends. I don't know if this is really the first interaction they would have had with one another. The scripture doesn't really tell us. Um, But it's pretty interesting. Jesus just jumps in this boat. Uh, Peter's been working all night long, and the fishermen, uh, as we're going to see, they hadn't caught anything, and they're trying to you know, clean up after a long night's work, probably want to get home and get a little bit of breakfast and go to bed. Uh, And here, you know, this preacher shows up and gets in your boat and says, hey, can I borrow your boat for a little bit to to preach to the crowd? Uh, And so Simon, uh, you know, he, he gives in and he lets Jesus use his boat. So Jesus gets on the boat and he finishes teaching the crowd. Here's what happens next. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, put yourself for a second in Jesus' shoes, or in in Simon's shoes. Imagine that you're a fisherman. You've been trained as a fisherman. You've been working all night long, and all of a sudden this preacher comes up and tells you to go back and get back to work. Right? After, After a long night's work, after you've just cleaned your nets, for goodness sake, 
he says, why don't you go back out and, and put down your nets again? You know, and for a minute you might think, well, wait a second. Yeah, I didn't tell you how to preach, did I? Why are you telling me how to fish? You know, I, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing here, mister. Um, you know, Simon probably would have been tempted to think something like this after a long night's work, after being tired, and, and now this preacher says, hey, why don't you go back out and, and get back to work? Here's what Simon says. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. It's been a long night. We're tired. We want to go get some breakfast, and we want to go to bed. That's probably what Simon's thinking. And, and you're not even a fisherman. Why are you trying to say, we, there's a reason that we don't fish during the day. We don't catch as much fish during the day. That's why we fished during night. We didn't catch anything then. Why are you telling us to go back to work? Except that's not all that Simon says. Look at this next line. He says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I just love Simon's response here. I love the fact that Jesus asks him to do something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to him. It's not very logical. Uh, he has plenty of reason that he could push back and say, listen, you know, why don't you stay in your lane, preacher man, and, and I'll stay in mine. I won't tell you how to preach and you don't tell me how to fish, okay? And yet that's not what Peter says. Peter says, you know what? Okay, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And it just makes me wonder, where is God asking you to launch out into the deep? What is God asking you to do that may not make a whole lot of sense? What is God asking you to do that may not be the most logical thing in your mind? What is God asking you to do that you say, hey God, you know, I, I know my life pretty well, okay, you know, you don't need to ask me to do that. You know, that's why I love Peter's response so much here, because in, instead of, you know, really pushing back against Jesus, he, he, he said, you know what, we, we've been fishing all night, we didn't catch anything, but because you say so, I'll do it. Because you say so, I'll do it. Now, I don't know what it is for you, maybe, it, maybe God's working on you and saying, hey, you know what, I think you probably ought to get involved in one of these small groups we got going on. I think that's going to help you take the next step in your faith, and you say, but God... Don't you know how busy I am? Don't you know my schedule, God? I'm pretty busy. And hey, I make it to church every Sunday. Some people don't even do that, right? I mean, look, I'm doing pretty good. And God's saying, you know what? I know, but why don't you go? So maybe, maybe what you need to say is, you know what, God? Because you say so, I'll do it. Or maybe it has to do with your finances. And God's saying, you know what? I'd like you to start contributing financially to, the, to my work in the church and, or, or giving a little bit more than you have been. And you say, but God, you know my finances. God, you know what my financial circumstance looks like. And God says, I know, but I want you to trust me. And maybe we just need to say, you know what? Okay, because you say so, I'll do it. Or maybe there's a relationship in your life that you know you're supposed to forgive somebody. God's been working on your heart saying, hey, you know what, I think you need to forgive this person and find some reconciliation. You say, but God, don't you know what they said to me? God, don't you know what they did to me? God, don't you know how bad they hurt me? And God says, I know. But this is something that I think that you need to do for your next step of faith. And maybe instead of talking back, we just need to say, okay, God, because you say so, I'll do it. Or maybe there's somebody in your life that God has been working on you saying, I, th I need you to share the gospel with them. 
I need you to share your faith and let them know that I love them. And you say, but God, they know I go to church every Sunday. They know I'm a Christian. Why do I need to say anything to them? And God says, I know. But they need to hear from you that I love them. I've made you my ambassador. And maybe instead of talking back to God, we just need to say, okay, because you say so, I'll do it. Now, look what happens next. Because Peter, because Peter said, uh, because you say so, I'll do it. Look what happens. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It was a record catch in the middle of the day. That doesn't happen very often, right? And Peter never would have had this catch. He never would have experienced this blessing if he hadn't trusted Jesus enough to push out into the deep when it didn't make sense, when it wasn't logical, when he was tired, when he'd been fishing all night. But because Jesus said so, he obeyed. And look at the blessing he received. Jesus wasn't trying to pull anything over on Peter. He was trying to bless Peter. Peter had, Simon had given him his boat. He had lent, lent him his boat to let him preach. And Jesus wanted to do something to bless him in return. How much does God want to do that for us? I think of, I think of the idea that, you know, of our tithing, of our giving. God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need our money. It's not like God, you know, doesn't have a job and he's begging for our money. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need our time and our talents. It's not about what God needs, not at all. God doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. He doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us, and he invites us to participate. So when we give up a little bit of, of our income, when we give up a little bit of our time, when we give up a little bit of our talents, it's not because God needs something from us. It's because he's inviting us to join him in something. And he promises that he's going to bless us back more than we can ask or think if we will just trust him in the process. If we'll just trust him in the process and give up a little bit of, of what it is that he's already blessed us with and, and give it back to him as a measure of trust, he says, I'm going to bless you back more than you can ask or think or imagine. But that's not going to happen without him, without us giving up a little bit of it to show that we trust him. God doesn't want something for us. He wants something from us. And sometimes that means that we need to give up something good in order to get something better. Sometimes we have to give up something good in order to get something better. God doesn't want something for, from us. He wants something for us. And that's why he asks us sometimes to step outside of our comfort zones. To maybe give him a little something that we're not expecting. To do something that doesn't seem logical. Because when we trust him, then he has a blessing waiting on the other side. A blessing that we'll never experience if we don't push out into the deep just a little bit further. So I don't know what it is for you particular, but whatever it is that God's asking you to do, to push out into the deep, to say, trust me just a little bit, think of Simon. Think of the catch of fish that he would never have had if he didn't trust Jesus enough to just launch out into the deep one more time. God wants something for us, not something from us. But sometimes, in order to get that, we have to give up something good in order to get something better. Moving forward in the record, this is what it says. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. They were so astonished that Peter fell down. He said, get away, I'm a sinful man. I'm not even worthy to be close to you. He recognized that there was something different about Jesus. And I think that we experience that too. When we, when we take that step of faith, when we take that step of faith, when God is asking us to do something that may not seem comfortable, that may not seem logical, when we take that step of faith and we, we listen, we do it anyway, and God comes through, we realize, oh my goodness, there's way more to this guy than I ever imagined. And that's what Simon Peter experienced this day on the beach, is as he took Jesus at his word, as he trusted him when it didn't make any sense, and he saw Jesus come through in a way that he could have never expected. That's what happens for us when we take that step of faith, when we, when we step out of the comfort zone just a little bit, when we do the thing that doesn't seem logical, even though God's asking us to do it, we see that God wants to bless us more than we could ever imagine. So here's what happens next after this amazing catch. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Now, so Jesus so sort of a play on words here, right? He's looking at these fishermen, and he says, I know that you're fishermen, but follow me, and from now on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He invites these men to be a part of what he's doing. He invites them to become his disciples. And this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. From now on, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus invites these men to join him now on his mission of reaching out to the rest of the world and reaching the people who are poor and oppressed and blind and far from God. Jesus is saying, I want you to join me in my mission. I want you to be a part of what it is that I'm doing. And here's their response. So they pulled up their boats on shore and left what? everything. They left everything and followed him. What have you left to follow Jesus? What have you left to follow Jesus? What would you leave behind if Jesus asked you? What would you not leave behind? That's a question, isn't it? What would we not leave behind if Jesus asked us? Whatever your answer to that is, that might be your idol. That might be my idol. If there's something that I'm not willing to leave behind to follow the call of Jesus, that thing might be my idol. They left everything to follow Jesus, to be a part of what it was that he was doing. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It means that we're willing to leave behind whatever else it is to help others experience the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ. These people recognized at that moment that there was something special about that man who had called them to push out into the deep, and they realized that there was nothing else in life that was worth holding on to if they couldn't be with him, if they couldn't be a part of that. Now, did Jesus need these men to be a part of his mission? Did God need to involve other people in this mission? No, he didn't. This is a privilege. This is a privilege that God has called us to be a part of what it is that he's doing in the world. That he's called us to be a part of his mission of reconciling those and, and seeing lives transformed by his goodness and his grace. What are we willing to leave behind to follow him? 
Here's a question for us to consider. Are we following Jesus or are we just playing church? Are we following Jesus or are we just playing church? Are you a disciple, a fisher of people? Are you involved in the mission or do you just show up and fill a seat on Sundays? Am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I a follower of Jesus? Am I involved in the mission? Or am I just here on Sundays reading from a book and, and given a message? This is as much for me to consider on a daily and weekly basis as it is for you. Are we really, are we involved in the mission? Are we committed to the mission? Are we willing to leave behind everything for the sake of reaching those who don't know God? Or are we just playing the game? Are we just showing up here, going through the motions, or are we actually invested? And, and that's just a question for me to consider as I go home and, and work through the week, and a question for you to consider and, and figure out what it is. What, what is holding me back from giving my all to this mission? You've all, I've asked you before to raise your hands if you've experienced the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ. We have. So what do we do now to make that life-changing grace available to somebody else? What, what do we need to give up? Where do we need to make room in our lives? What, what do we need to maybe cut back on so that we have more time and more resources to, to devote to the mission and to, to vote to the kingdom? Are we following Jesus or are we just playing church? What good things maybe do we need to give up in order to experience the better things of being involved with Je Jesus in his mission? I don't know if you've ever had the, the opportunity to be a part of seeing someone else's life transformed by the gospel. I know that you've experienced the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ, but have you ever been a part of seeing that happen in somebody else's life? Have you ever watched somebody who was caught up in, in sin, whose life was a mess and just wrecked by the devil, and, and then see them rescued by the grace of Jesus Christ? Have you ever watched somebody who was, who was caught up in the ways of the world and all of a sudden they, they come to faith in Jesus, they experience the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ and it transforms their life? Have you ever been a part of that? There's, there's nothing more meaningful, there's nothing more joyful than seeing that happen in someone else's life. I've seen it too many times to, to, know, that I, to know that I want nothing else than to be a part of that time and time and time again. So I need to ask myself, what am I willing to give up? Where am I willing to cut back so that I can devote more of my time and more of my resources to following Jesus and joining him on his mission of reaching those who are poor and oppressed and blind? In different ways, God is calling each and every one of us to push out into the deep. He's asking us to take a step of faith in some direction. And so I'm, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you this week to really think about that. And pray about that and ask yourself, where is God asking me to push out into the deep? Where is God asking me to, to take a step of faith in a way that maybe doesn't make sense? In a way that may be a little bit uncomfortable? In a way that may not be super logical? And yet at the other side, there might be a blessing that you just can't imagine. And then where is God asking you to follow him? Where is he asking you to maybe leave behind something good so that you can be a part of something better? That's what I want us to pray for as individuals and to pray for as a church this week, that, that we can devote ourselves to really following Jesus, that we would become so committed to the mission that we would be willing to leave behind everything else for the privilege 
of being a part of what it is that God is doing here in this community, in this state, in this nation. Let me pray. Gracious God, we have experienced the life-changing power of your love, of your good news. We're so thankful that you sent your son to pay the price for our sins, to invite us to be a part of what it is that you're doing. Father, we confess that it's easy for us to get off track. It's easy for us to sometimes lose sight. God, it, I know that's true for me, and I know that it's true for others as well. So, Father, as we confess this, we ask that you would help us to refocus our priorities, that you would help us to remember that being a part of this mission, God, isn't an obligation, it's not a burden, but, Father, it's a privilege that you have chosen out of all of the ways to do things, that you have chosen to incorporate us, to invite us into what you're doing. So, Father, give us your eyes. Give us your heart. Just set us on fire for, with passion for the things that, that break your heart, for the things that give you passion, Father. Help us to become a people so focused on what it is that you would have us to do that we would be willing to leave behind everything else. Father, we believe that you don't want anything from us, but Father, that you want something for us. We believe that you have our best interests at heart. So Father, make us a people consumed with your passion. Make us a people discontent with anything less than your vision for us. Father, I pray for these things in the strong and the powerful name of Christ Jesus our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. You're dismissed.